Misconduct Podcast. So happy to be back with you. I know we had a little bit of a layoff, but we have an awesome guest today. So just before we get started, we have a quick word from our Golden Knights partner, Alyssa. Vegas Golden Knights fans, listen up. Terribles is giving away a $1,000 game day giveaway prize pack each day the Golden Knights play at home. You can visit TerribleHerps.com for more details. Ooh, I want a prize pack. I know. Thousand dollars, a thousand dollars. I hope that we're not disqualified from that potentially. We'll have to send our uh, significant others. There we go. <laughs> See what we can do. Um, but no, as I said, we have an awesome guest today, Shannon Haas, for the chief marketing officer at MLSE, which is Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. It's a, a huge group that, of course, I mean, as we said, the the Maple Leafs, but it also encompasses the Raptors, Toronto FC, Toronto Argonauts. I mean, she's got titles on titles her bio was so long because she has done so much cool stuff and we uh were connected with her via our coworker darren millard we actually got to jump right into the interview with uh, a little bit of a, a funny question and then she also if you're a believer I would listen to toward the end of this interview. Get ready. Katie Schmeichel, our awesome videographer who we talk about all the time, who has been in the bubble this season. She's going to be so proud of us for that. Yeah, I, I did that for you, Katie. So let's give it a listen. All you believers out there, this is for you. Well, Shannon, thank you for taking the time to join us. So we're so excited to talk to you on this episode of Game Misconduct. And we are going to lead off with an easy one. So we know that you are good friends with our coworker, Darren Millard. So he gave us some background info heading oh. into this interview. He told us a lot of weird little tidbits about you. So we want to know about... You experiencing an earthquake in Belize with Darren's wife. What yes. is the story there? Wow, that is quite the intro. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we were, um, his wife, uh, Jen Millard, uh, we were on a vacation together. And unbeknownst to us, uh, although the alarms were going off, there was a tsunami heading towards us. Uh, thankfully averted, um, the story goes that I was really less fussed than his wife. I didn't realize the immediate danger that we could have been in, but uh, <laughs> hey, we survived for another day of uh, time on the beach, so it was all fine. But that, that's a that's a great pull from the past because I even forgot about that heroin moment. <laughs> that's time. a great little fun fact. I always think about, you know, you want to have like a fun fact ready for a party game or if you're in a big group yeah. of people and that's a really good fun fact. Like I experienced an earthquake when I was on vacation then yeah. no big deal. <laughs> yeah. Just in a beach hut front, right, right on the water. Like no big deal at all. Yeah. Just not realizing the immediate danger, but uh, it was a great vacation besides that. Yeah, besides yeah, the Just got our passport ready to go and you're just ready to go back to bed. So Yeah, I was. I, I was kind of sleepy and I was just like, it can't be that bad, but uh, apparently it was. And But as, as I said, we got another sunny day the next day, so we were good. There you go. And something we actually asked Catherine Tappen when we had on the show, who is also friends with Darren, we were trying to get some dirt and she wouldn't give us any. So do you have anything that we can take back to Millard? Yeah, um, those are probably not for the podcast content. So I'll, uh, we can we can speak a little after about all the good tidbits. Um, yes, you have our emails. So we're always looking for dirt on our coworkers. You know how. Yeah, it goes. I, I just love his nickname Ducky. So I mean, I think you can just use that ongoing. He is the best. He's wonderful. 
That's amazing. Well, well, obviously you have, just to get into your background and your story, you've been with MLSE now for, I want to say it's 21 years. Can you just kind of give our fans a little bit of just insight into your role and how you got involved with MLSE? Sure. Uh, I mean, 21 years, it seems like so long and uh, it, but it's just an amazing journey of time. Like it's uh, an organization that has just, I've sort of grown up with it. It has evolved and expanded. Um, you know, I came in uh, the ground floor, didn't, you know, know a ton about uh, my trajectory as a professional at the time, just love sports, love the business, came in uh, at the corporate partnerships team, doing sponsor work, et cetera, and sort of worked my way up. But for all the, you know, young women out there aspiring to be uh, where I might be now is at the CMO level, it was, it's a lot of hard work and it's like creating your own opportunities. And I did that throughout my time at MLSC and put in all the hard work to get to uh, where I am and I've enjoyed every step of the way. Was this your dream job when you were little? Did you ever think that this is, would, it would even be a job that you could explore? Yeah. And I love, like, I actually love to say like, you know, oh, I, that's the job I wanted because now I'm here. This is absolutely the job I love and I love every day working in. But uh, at the time, I just had no idea that this type of role or the roles that you, you women are in existed. Like I just didn't see that career path at the time. It's like, you know, you're a doctor, lawyer, uh, one of those more old school professions. Um Thank goodness. I just was sort of serendipitous that I came across a woman uh, during a summer job that said, oh, I work in sports. I'm like, what? (laughs) Like, I need like what I need to figure this out. And, uh, you know, it took every step possible from there to figure out a path to get in. And again, it's all hard work and, you know, having fun along the way, too. Yeah, it's so interesting because I was looking at kind of your school background, studying psychology and criminology, and then all of a sudden the sports career just takes off. And I like that you use the word serendipitous because obviously it's that one moment that basically changed the trajectory of your whole life. Uh, absolutely. And I, I won't lie that criminology has played a part. And no, I'm just kidding. It is. <laughs> I've used bits and pieces from there along the way. No, it was serendipitous. And I, I'm an individual that I just can't do things twice. So the business of sports is just so fast paced. No day is the same. You're constantly moving forward and you're not duplicating. You're, not, you're just never going back. You're just a constant motion. Um, looking ahead, looking ahead to do big things. And, you know, in sports, you're, you have the highs, you have the lows, uh, and you live them all like a fan. And I just love that about the sports itself, but also what sports and the brands for your community and that you're reaching out and touching people every game night. So it's, I mean, in my opinion, it's a little bit for me, uh, it all from a professional uh, capacity. And we'll get into some of the awesome campaigns that you've led in a little bit. But first, we want to hear from you. What are you most proud of and what are some things that you've done at work the past few years that you can look back on and say, you know, I'm that's something I can hang my hat on? Well, there's a couple um, and all of them are related to, 
you know, we've had some really big moments at MLSC. I know we're specifically speaking about hockey here, but our Raptors team won the championship a couple of years ago. Uh, as a business professional, I was really felt as a part of that, um, really embedded in that team and what it took to become that to that championship. But there's that championship. We built Legends Row with many of our alumni, hung the banners for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, and in, in that, retiring some great legends and like, celebrated a hundred years and then look forward to, to like what we say is a new beginning and just being part of those decisions and impacting what it means uh, to our Leaf fans and our Raptors fans on the other side are really beautiful moments, but it's the people that are around you that you did it with, that, you know, everything that went on behind the scenes, then you see these shining moments and they're, you're there with a great team of people that put it together. So as much as those, moments and professional moments that you sort of hold up as, you know, on your resume, they're fantastic, but there's those emotional moments with your teammates and the people around you. And again, the, the, and that's just what sports is about is working as a team to deliver these moments for your, like your city and your fans. So those are the ones I point to. Well, and it seems like kind of a good intersection of those things is the We the North campaign, because that was more than a slogan or a marketing campaign. It was a a movement, you know, not only in basketball in Canada, but all sports people from every walk of life could identify with that. And I know we with the Golden Knights have that Vegas born mantra that we really hold tight to that we identify with. And and maybe that's the best way to put it is that it's kind of an identity what, yeah. what was it like to create that and to see the way that it took off? Honestly, it, it's surreal to create. Um, and it is an identity. It's a moment in time, right? So that that, I, that identity of We the North really um, resonated with people because of our history with the Raptors. And that moment in time when we released that, that actually identified the Raptors and Canada as a basketball nation. And it, we just sort of solidified ourselves as like, hey, we're here to stay. Um, we're not in the States, but we need, we, we're a sophisticated basketball market uh, and all eyes on the globe will be looking at us. And that's, we believe that's one of the starting points to win, to uh, lead us into the championship. But we, the North itself was, it's just it gave a swagger is something we had never done before, very urban. And, and we created our own language and, uh, doing that it not only resonated with raptors fans and the thing that i mean i hope there's another time in my career i can be a part of something that actually resonated with canadians that you use it as our badge of honor now it's like versus a canadian flag on your backpack if you're traveling around the world which we hope to be doing again one day people are using we the north in placement of that i mean that it's incredible like even when we put that out into the universe we never had any idea to go as it did so it's been phenomenal and continues to be our identity today. So what are your memories of that slogan coming to be specifically? Like when you're in those meetings, is it said and instantly everyone was like, that's it? Or how did that come together? It it really, um, that I saw that and instantly said, we're doing it. That that's it. So to answer your question, yeah, it was just a visceral reaction. There was no focus groups. There was no, you know, let's go take it and test it and do all these things. It was just like you knew, like this is us now. This is who we are. This is who we represent. Um, the whole idea of Canada 
in particular in the NBA, being outsiders was very, it resonated. It also resonated with Canadians. It's feeling that that uh, tension between the U.S. It's like, we're trying to be like the U.S., but we're not. We're, we're, stand, we're outsiders. And if we're outsiders, we're in. And like, like we took everything that was seen as can, being Canadian as being a bad thing, like it being cold or you name it, uh, and turned it on at its head and made it a pride point. So it was, it, it just, it just, you saw it and it, maybe it was me as a Canadian, me as a Raptors fan and leader in the space was just like, that's it. We're done. We're in. Let's go. So, it, it's and we so are funny. Brown in two weeks. So, yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. It's so funny how some things are just like gut reactions and you're like, yeah. yes, that's it. And other things take so much behind the scenes work. But sometimes, like you said, when you know, you know, and that was uh, one campaign in particular, we wanted to be sure we talked to you about because it just grew into such a rallying cry. And you've kind of touched on this a little bit in our conversation, but something I wanted to ask you is, managing the marketing for two totally different sports and totally different teams. And like you said, basketball is kind of the, the Raptors are kind of the outsiders, you know, being in Toronto and the Maple Leafs are hockey team. It's Canada sport. And the marketing of them, I imagine is so different. And even just the cultures of both sports are so different. So how do you approach the, both of them differently while also, okay, these are under the same umbrella. So there has to be some continuity between the two brands as well. As an organization and specifically uh, for myself and my leadership with my team in terms of marketing those two brands, we're very, very mindful that um, we live and breathe in the voices of those brands. And I, we um, have people that, wake up every day and think about the Toronto Maple Leafs and people wake up every day and think of the Toronto Raptors. We have taken over the years uh, best practices between the two, but we're very mindful that they are not the same brands. They don't connect with the same audience and that the marketing around them needs to be specific to them. But again, there are, have been times and moments where we have leaned in to say, hey, this really worked well here. Is there an application on the other side? So, and it just fits well with my personality in terms of I like a million things going on and just going and figuring out great new things to be doing uh, with each of those brands. But we organize ourselves to ensure that we're not our cookie cutter and that we're following in the voice of those brands uh, and being very mindful of the fan base that we serve for each of those. For both of those brands specifically, I mean, what a odd and unique year it's been. Also, you had the Raptors playing home games in Florida, uh, then Toronto, of course, hosting, uh, you know, half of the NHL for the bubbles postseason last year. Like what point of pride do you take in just shaping so many messages around these these organizations? I, I, I really look at this past year and I in it again, it goes back to people and the resilience of individuals to figure out all of this. Like uh, in a million years, if you'd said to me, even like, is it almost like to the day, like a year ago that we would have been what we had to accomplish this year in terms of, you know, moving, you know, having the bubble, moving the team to Tampa and managing all the logistics around it. Uh, and I don't even, I still, I sit here and I don't know how we got it done to, to be completely honest. I'd love to tell you like, Oh, here's the handbook. We just did this. And it wasn't, we figured it out along the way. Um, you know, putting our teams and fans first and trying to deliver the best experience we possibly could. This year has just been like no other. I, I, I but at the same time, 
there's a lot out of this year that we see that we're going to be continuing going forward that we've just as part of figuring that out has uh, supercharged us in ways in terms of digital and other forms of engagement, you know, doing great podcasts as an example. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I think there's just, there's no handbook. We just had to figure it out and we did it because we have great people at our organization. It's been a learning experience for sure. And as a woman who's been in this industry for as long as you have, how, what changes have you seen and how, what next steps do you think need to happen to continue making the world of sports an even more gender inclusive place than it's already become? I, I'm really uh, proud to be part of an organization that see the diversity of thought and voice as a really valuable asset to any conversation. I would say that's probably, we've we've been leaders in this space probably for the last four or five years, in particular uh, on the Raptor side of the house. But um, I think recent conversations continue to push it forward and us as leaders and women should think of every opportunity in which we can hold up other women, point to other women, uh, celebrate other women and continue that conversation moving forward. In, the, in my position, as in both of your positions, what you're doing like right now is like you can create those opportunities. You should create those opportunities. You should identify women that you can help uh, pull up and help to like, you know, they say, send the uh, elevator back down and pull women back up with you. Like we should be thinking of that and it should be part of our DNA now that that is what we need to be doing going forward and our influence on our organizations. For example, we have an all female Raptors broadcast that's going on uh, in celebration of this month, but we do that in conjunction with our broadcasters, but that's also part of our influence that we have the ability to do that. And we should be doing that and pushing the boundaries always and to ensure that we have gender equity in sports. How cool is that? Or how special is that to you that, you know, it is a situation where it doesn't feel like gender equality is an exception. Like it's just the norm for you and your organization. I, I can't even describe it. Like I've had other people say like, oh, it's like sports is male dominated. And, you know, it's same in the boardroom. It's not my personal experience. Uh, the leaders that are my organization, I, I can say with no question that I have an equal voice. Um, I'm valued, valued as part of those conversations. Um, I think the one thing that um, we're trying to do uh, to ensure that we continue to elevate women is that we're providing those opportunities and those pathways that might not seem as clear that we are thinking of ways in which to put those in place. I I take great pride in working uh, at our organization for those reasons, though. That's amazing. And you love to hear it because this seems like a recurring theme with every guest, but we just emphasize the importance of there being enough room at the top for all women (laughs) there. It's not a competition amongst other women. It is a support system and it should never be a competition. So it's so refreshing to hear from women who are in executive positions who really live what they're saying and really do look for the opportunities to mentor younger women. And it just, it's such an important philosophy. So it's so great to hear that that's something that you make a point and make an emphasis to spend your time on absolutely i have to ask Uh and stormy's gonna roll her eyes at me when i ask this (laughs) but we need to ask about the justin bieber maple leafs love letter 
oh. that came out because Stormy and I, when this song came out, our coworker Katie made us listen to it and watch it probably on repeat for a good three days. <laughs> the and then one. when we found out we were talking to you, I was like, I, I would be remiss to not ask you about how this came about. You guys have worked with, I mean, you worked with Drake, you worked with the Beebs. You guys have an awesome list of celebrities, but this one in particular, oh, we just, we need to hear about it. <laughs> um, and actually when I was mentioning to you, like, you know, uh, pulling from uh, other experiences and crossover, actually, um, that was one of the ones that came to mind in terms of uh, some of the things we've done on one property versus the other. Um, so I'll tell you, like, like we are, we got a phone call from, uh, one of Justin's, uh, people saying, you know, I want to, I'm putting a love letter out into the world. It's one of my new songs, new release. And I like one of the loves of my life are the Toronto Maple Leafs. Can we, can you guys help me produce a video, uh, in conjunction with, um, this song release? And it was, I think, I think it was only like two weeks in advance and he, his, him and his team were fantastic. They handed over to us, like that's it, my team's pr uh, creative production that you've just seen out in the universe, which is amazing. So hitting a whole new global audience, probably younger females. And it's like fantastic, you know, as the sport of hockey, we want to, you know, get out and connect with those different fan base. Um, yeah. And they, we produced it. And on, they had no real edits to it. Like they, we, we did the song and everything else. And uh, according, like, this is just secondhand information, but according to him, he kept on pushing, like, I want to get this out. Like now, now let's like, he was so excited. And <laughs> that is awesome. He's a fan, right. He's a fan, you know, you can yeah. tell that he's a genuine fan of the team too. And oh. I mean, talk about a marketer's dream, having Justin Bieber's team call you and say, Hey, we're going to write a love letter to your organization. I can only imagine your reaction to that. It's like, yep, done. Well, yeah, done. Uh, I did have to get, you said Heidi was on here before. So I had to text Heidi and from the NHL and say, you know, it's not, you can't just easily just put that out there. And of course she, she has the same vision in terms of like, breaking down the borders and reaching new audiences and making hockey global. So, I mean, why wouldn't you do uh, that uh, with a celebrity that has 166 million followers? I was like, as if Toronto's fan base, like in Canada, isn't already just massive and historic <laughs> and monumental. Now, just the way that that can spread like wildfire globally because mm -hmm. of a global sensation like that. And I'll only drop this here and I can't say more, but there's more to come as it relates to oh. beliefs in us. We'll just leave that for your. You heard your it here. <laughs> That's exciting. And yeah. I, we love the celebrity thing here in Vegas, obviously. So yeah. it's, um, it's so exciting to see when, like I mentioned, celebrities are genuine fans of the team. It really, it really shines through. Um, and before we let you go, we have one last question for you. Sure. It's our rookie reminder that we ask all of our guests and we want to know if you could go back, what would you tell rookie Shannon just entering the industry? I probably go back and tell it, just tell myself to have more confidence, uh, as you move up and that your voice is valued. And, you know, it took a, it's, I've been in the industry for a long time. Um, as we mentioned, unfortunately off the top, but, um, it is, you, I think as, and maybe it's a female, maybe it was me personally. I just didn't feel I had the confidence and the voice, which I find my voice earlier. Um, although it, you know, it, 
my career as it's progressed, I've, I've found it, but it, you know, it did take some time. So, and I think that's just, um, I think that applies probably to men and women also, like your voice is valued. And, you know, if you have great input and you're identifying great opportunities for an organization, they're going to listen. No, I think that's tremendous advice as I know I've felt that a lot covering a variety of different sports, primarily male sports, where you're a, a woman, you've never played football or you've never played hockey at that level. Like, why are you given the okay to talk about it? But I study really, really hard and I learn mm -hmm. as much as I can and I have a love for it just like anyone else would. So why can't I? And I think that's something that's taken a long time for me personally to like accept and realize and I'm still working on it every single day. And so that's great advice for so many people in so many different outlets and, and work. It's actually funny to me when you actually talk to people at the senior level, a lot of people still are working on that themselves. So it just, it doesn't mean it just happens just like that. I think, well, and once you find it and you can see the value you can add and how much, how much more exciting it is and how many doors it opens is, will just fast forward your career. I know that we said that was the last question, but I have one more for you, if that's all right. Um, something else that I kind of think about a lot is that I'm just so scatterbrained and I have like all of these ideas and I want to do this, this and this. But how have you found that kind of balance and honing in not only on your craft, but your personal life also? Because I know one thing Darren's told us about you is that you are one of the hardest workers, if not the hardest worker in the room, but you can also go home and unplug and separate that. And I feel like that's a real talent in itself. Well, Stormy, you and I both that can't, are scattered and have a million things going on. Like I always have a million things happening and uh, a million different priorities. But again, that's why I think I love what I do, which is like, oh, there's so many fantastic uh, new opportunities or whatever's on the horizon to be working on. Um, but in terms of, and again, I think that's something I learned over my career. Um, I probably wasn't the same, uh, even 10 years ago, I spent way more time on the career side. And I think the pendulums just swung a little bit the other way in terms of, you know, realizing that that family time is just as precious. And, um, there was actually Sint, she, uh, she leads one of the NBA teams and actually she'd be a great person to be on your, on your show. She described it one day as like, you have these crystal balls and like you have them in this, like one, if one of them is going to drop, which one's it going to be? So you just, I think you always have to be thinking what's most important in your life and what's most important in that moment. And that, you know, that you can't be all things to everything. And, you know, sometimes something might drop, but you know, if it's your kid's graduation, that can't drop. So you just have to be really mindful about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, and I, I, I don't know if we ever get it right, to be honest. I, if someone has, can, t can tell me how to do it. Uh, I would appreciate <laughs> it. But I think it's just knowing that, you know, the, all your career and your uh, family life are just so important. You just have to navigate and figure out where you're putting your efforts. Love that. And I feel like we could have kept you on for like three I know, episodes I want to because we just, <laughs> we just scratched the surface. <laughs> you're so Another cool. I know. And hopefully we can meet in person when uh, this COVID madness is done and the borders reopen and <laughs> Amazing. I, I'm promised with my uh, friends down there that I get to have a visit. So I'd love to meet you ladies in person. Absolutely. And thank you so much for joining us. It's nice to meet both of you too. We'll chat soon. Stormy, I thought that was a great last question for Shannon about the work-life 
balance because that's something that you and I talk about all the time as friends. And I, I thought her answer to that was great. And I think it's just important to remind people that, you know, you can have it all, but some days you just can't you might not be able to do it all. (laughs) Yeah, I try to squeeze that in with as many of our guests because it's something I'm legitimately trying to learn to do better. And I feel like, I I know, Alyssa, you have gotten really good at it this year. And I think that's because you've made the conscious effort to, you know, be more engaged in your relationships and with your family and focusing on what's important outside of work. And that's something that I I know I struggle with a lot, um, especially being in this bubble situation right now, because I... I'm so close to family. I'm, I'm not far away. I live about a half an hour drive, but I can't see anybody. And I, I get so invested and involved in my day-to-day work that I, I don't do the best job at making sure I'm taking the step to make those phone calls and those FaceTimes. And um, I thought it was a really unique way that she put it with the two crystal balls and, you know, which one are you going to let drop? And it's just every time that we hear these types of answers, I'm like, get it together, Stormy. (laughs) No, you're you're doing what you can. I think for me personally, it was just I, I think I had the realization that, okay, I'm better at work and I'm a better coworker, a better manager, a more creative person when it's not the only thing I'm doing. So I need my reading time. I need time to cook dinner. <laughs> Other than that, I'm good. Some dog snuggles I can do while I'm working. <laughs> Well, you're going to laugh at me, actually. I think something that's helped me at least the past week is March Madness going on because, like, I'm such a college basketball buff and have it's been something we've engaged with with the team. We've gotten a few of the players kind of March Madness brackets, and it's something I've been doing with my family, too. And uh, it's just a fun time where we can not have to have it be, like, emotional family stuff, but we can just call up each other and see, oh, my gosh, did you see the Oral Roberts upset? What is going on and just like make that connection and keep it light who's your pick Gonzaga but my bracket okay I mean there's no bracket that's not busted right now I mean (laughs) let's be real so Alex Tuck has been giving me the hardest time because I had Ohio State in my final obviously that did not go well I am a San Diego State grad so I had San Diego State going to the Elite Eight because I really thought this was the year obviously they were I had Michigan State in the Elite Eight so at least (laughs) Yeah, that's true. But listen, they were upset by Syracuse, so Alex won't stop giving me grief about it. And every time he sees me, he just looks me in the eye and busts up laughing. That is our work relationship right now. It's really cool. Great, healthy environment. (laughs) Well, even though his and I relationship clearly is unhealthy right now, the team (laughs) has been doing really, really well lately. The Golden Knights had a a five-game win streak this past week. It was snapped by the Kings on Sunday, but bounced back with a big win against St. Louis in the second half of a back-to-back. And I mean, seven games in an 11-day span with two back-to-backs, and this team came out on the better end of it. It's like hockey sleep hockey hockey sleep (laughs) it's non-stop right now we are recording this episode on the last opportunity that the team will have two days in a row without a game for the remainder of the regular season the concealer is heavy today (laughs) 
went real heavy on the under eye concealer today but no like you said it's been it's been a fun streak and we were all talking in our uh, department meeting earlier today that it's just our jobs are so much more fun when the team is winning and our jobs are very fun right now and aside from just the wins like there's been some really fun wins in the last six games okay so what's uh what's your highlight or highlights from this recent stretch so the Wednesday, March 17, come from behind win against the Sharks. So when the Golden Knights came out on top, 5-4, T-Mobile Arena, the building was packed as much as it could be. That one stood out to me as well as that four-goal third period against St. Louis on Monday. That's two. F- both of those games were four goal third periods. You're right. I, I can't think back yeah. to last Wednesday, Stormy. I know the score. I don't remember what how it happened, but you're right. You, you, I trust you. We are in this <laughs> together. But speaking to that that San Jose game and moments, Ryan Reeves scoring his first goal, finally getting that monkey off the back. Um, but his post game press conference, whenever it is after a San Jose anything, <laughs> I am always just purely entertained. It's him saying. And it's no secret I hate every one of them over there. Yeah. It's that much sweeter to score a goal on this team. It's always fun. And to be able to have the fanfare, like you said, so cool. And our fourth line, the production that they've had the past week or so. And how happy are you for Keegan Colasar getting his first NHL goal? Finally, Keegan. Finally. Oh. And... I was standing right next to that goal, and he turns around after scoring and is basically beelining right in my direction. I saw every tooth in his mouth on this full grin, and not even the sigh of relief, but just like the pure joy. Those reactions are what I live for. And I love that he said that the bench was even happier than he was. And if you saw the video that we took of the bench, the bench just lost their minds. Because Keegan's been so close so many times and everyone knows how big of a deal that first goal in the national is and they were just so happy for him and it was it was such a cool moment and you love to you love to see it and he could tell and even in the post-game press conference that he he could not stop smiling well and that rubbed off on everyone else you heard mark stone's comments reflecting on like his first goal in the nhl and how that's a moment he'll never forget and from pete DeBoer just talking about how these moments kind of bring you back and remind you that the game is supposed to be fun just because we're talking about the third periods can you handle how good the golden knights have been in the third period this season the goal differential they're outscoring opponents 43 to 24 on the year that to me is such a mark of a good team and a Stanley Cup contending type of a team that not only can you get up and score the first goal of the game, which they have numerous times this season, but when it comes to the third period, you're able to put the foot on the gas. You're able to win these important games in important moments. Yeah, and that's something that's really stood out to me the past few weeks is the Golden Knights have been down and they've been in a lot of people's minds, counted out of a lot of these games. And there's just been no quit. And even the St. Louis game is a great example. It's tied 1-1 going into the third. And it's like, you know, VGK, you didn't have to do them like that. Like, you didn't need to win <laughs> by scoring four goals in the third, but they did. And it's, it's, uh, it's a really fun hockey right now. 
Yeah, and just speaking of fun, some pretty fun and cool milestones that have happened in the past week or so as well. Jonathan Marcheseau, the first player in Golden Knights history to reach 200 points with the VGK. William Carlson, his line mate, comes up very soon after and does the same. And that trio as a line, the Misfits line as they're called, between Carlson, Marcheseau, and Riley Smith is approaching 600 points as a line. Like only six trios ever have hit that many points in their first four years together. It's crazy. And I think it was Gary who said this uh, during an intermission recently. But if if you would have went back to the expansion draft and said that Jonathan Marceau, William Carlson and Riley Smith would be one of the best lines in hockey for the next four seasons, people would have laughed at you. But here we are. It's Honestly, incredible and major props to Gary Lawless for the work that he has put in on that story because like he got in the weeds looking at the combined minutes. They've played more than 2,200 minutes together, which is more than any other line in the last four years. And I I liked also the conversation he had about like their second line on this team. There are so many other teams in the NHL that they would be a top line any night. And that just also goes to show the depth and promise of this team this year. Yeah, there's two top lines, just like there's two top goaltenders. Look at you with the segues today. I feel like I'm not supposed to call out segues. No, that deserves, I don't know, I think that deserved an acknowledgement because that was pretty good. So, Robin Robin Leonard, Leonard. he's back. (laughs) Oh, my God. We're so embarrassing. Thank you for listening to us. Um, Yeah, Robin Leonard back. He's had two starts now after coming back from a concussion in early February. And not only does he have two wins since he's been back, but... I think he wins the press conferences every time that he is out there talking <laughs> yeah. to media. He's so candid and honest, and I, I love more than anything else that he doesn't talk about these issues because he wants to be recognized for it. It's important for him personally, and it's important for him to help other people when it comes to the stigma against mental health, when it comes to addressing the rumors about him dealing with a concussion. Uh, I've just been never-endingly impressed with the way that he's handled himself since coming back. I completely agree with everything you just said, and my laugh was at you because you know you're a reporter when you say the term wins the press conferences. (laughs) So... Only a reporter would think of a press conference as something you can win. But yes, Robin Leonard has been, I he's just, he's an advocate that the sport needs. And his candidness is, it's refreshing. It's a breath of fresh air just to speak about his mental illnesses that he's struggled with the way other players talk about a lower body injury they've experienced because like Robin said, it's the same thing. It's an injury and it's something that you need to invest time and resources into healing. And one of my favorite lines of his from a few years ago is when he said, I'm not ashamed to say I'm mentally ill, but that doesn't mean I'm mentally weak. And that's, it's so important to talk about these things and to let other people who are experiencing similar things as he is that, hey, you're not alone. (laughs) There's a lot of people out there who 
have experienced mental illnesses or are experiencing mental illness and his candidness in discussing it is such a he's become such an important voice for I would say athletics and the mental health advocacy community and just I can't say enough about the respect I have for for him in that area. Yeah, and I remember that line coming in his Masterton Trophy um, Award speech at the NHL Awards and, you know, talking about the the way that he's shared his struggle with the hockey world. And uh, I'm just very appreciative of the honesty he has for us because that's not something that you get from professional athletes um, in general, <laughs> let yeah. alone in such a public forum to media the way that he has. Yeah, no, absolutely. And... Before we let you go, we're going to do a quick little social segment. We got a really fun question this week, Stormy, on Twitter from our friend Jen. And she had a few questions about what the flights are like. And I thought this was uh, an interesting question because it's something that to us we don't really think much about because it's part of our day-to-day life. But people on the outside don't really see unless you're on the plane. So she asked, what are the flights like? Are there certain guys who sit together? And what do the guys do on the plane yeah um i remember seeing this question come across on twitter so thank you jen for that um so mostly on the plane it's first of all i would like to say that it's very different this year than it would be from a standard year because due to kind of like social distancing everybody's sitting primarily every other seat and you're actually not even supposed to eat at the same time as somebody if you are sitting close to anyone so it's it's a really unique situation this year there's a couple tables so like that's what's cool about these planes is all of the seats are first class seats so you get the big reclining area you have the leg room for all of the professional athletes to sprawl out and they play their cards they play their joking games at the the people that have tables or long naps but i'm trying to think people who sit together who stands out to you Alyssa? I feel like things switch this year because I know there's some COVID protocol about like who you can kind of sit by. And I don't I don't want to speak on it because I'm not entirely versed on what the regulations are. But I do know that Jonathan Marcheseau really likes to um, shockingly be loud while playing cards. I know that's really surprising to everybody that he would be a loud person, but... So I sit on the very back of the plane, like last two rows, and in the middle of the night on a flight back from wherever we're at, it's one, two in the morning before we get back home, he is up and screaming about something in his card game constantly. Yeah, constantly. If I could, I can't count the amount of times I think we've all been woken up by him screaming because of a card game on a flight. So I know there's, they play cards. There's a lot of guys who read, uh, which has been very fun for me to figure out which guys are the readers and talk about books with them. Nick Holden and I were just chatting the other day about uh, some books that he had just read. He just finished Educated by Tara Westover, which is on my list. So he highly recommended that one. And 
honestly, a lot of people just sleep because, like we said, it's a lot of hockey right now. So it's a lot of sleeping. <laughs> Planes used to be a little bit more fun, I think, because you had the opportunity to get up and walk around and chat with whoever. And we just don't really do this this year. But in terms of the layout of the plane and where the grouping sit, like the front of the plane is the coaching staff and, you know, our GM when he comes, like that's kind of how the front goes. And then the middle section of the plane is all of the players positions. And then the back end of the plane is where all of the like medical staff and um, like equipment, equipment room and training, yeah, like yeah, support like, staff, exactly support staff and us like that's where where we all hang out. And um, it's 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 made me so hoity toity when it comes to flying commercially, just the amount of space that you get in your seat. And when you sit down, you have a little menu of what the food is going to be if we do have meal on that flight. And it's true what they say, like the NHL is a never hungry league. <laughs> Riley Smith um, very often brings a box of like crumble cookies. He gets like that curbside crumble cookie before he heads to the plane and will bring a set of them. And it was especially since I told you guys about that Max Pacioretty story with the crumble cookie a couple weeks ago. It made me feel so good that I'm not alone and that hockey players can have a fat person tooth too. It is okay. <laughs> We're all in this together. Didn't you give up crumble for Lent? No, not for Lent, just because I, I, I realized it was becoming problematic. Um, it was just like, hey, Stormy, you need to, for the month of March, just for a full 30 plus days, say no. And How's it, it has been so hard, Alyssa. I follow them on Instagram. And so I always see what the new releases are Ooh. for the cookies every week. And it's such a struggle. Right now they have oatmeal chocolate chip, which is my favorite because obviously oatmeal raisin, raisin is very problematic because you want to think that they're chocolate chips and they're clearly not chocolate chips. And it's like this whole thing that breaks your heart. But with them, it really is chocolate chips. Alyssa's are just done? staring at me. It's so rude. <laughs> But anyways, um, on that note, on that note <laughs> we can really end. Thanks for listening to Game Misconduct. Another great episode. Huge thank you to Shannon Hosford once again for joining us. And we will see you soon.